You are now listening to the Unstucked Podcast, where we teach you actionable steps to get unstuck in your life, career, finances, and business. Here is your host, Khalil Dumas. Let's start the year off strong. Download our Unstucked Budgeting Guide to get unstuck in your finances to begin to understand your flow of money. Look, when I think back to when I really made a shift from living paycheck to paycheck to being able to invest and actually understand my retirement timeline, it all started with budgeting. So download our budgeting guide available in the show notes. Now on to the episode. Today's guest is Jonathan Thomas. Jonathan and I were actually connected through a mutual friend, Rakeem Sabri, who was a past guest on the show. Jonathan's mission is to help you have more money in the month and help you invest to build wealth. We always talk about how finance is one of the singular most important things to helping you get unstuck and out of a rut. I hope you enjoy this conversation. Now on to the episode. Jonathan, what's going on? Hey, glad to be here. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, of course. I, I love these. I have, I would say like half of my recordings, my first time meeting my guests is through a podcast and I love it this way because I always say like, I don't think, you know, in passing or even when you meet someone new, you ever get to the level of detail that we're going to get today. So after the conversation, I tend to learn a whole lot. So I appreciate you coming on. No, it's my pleasure. So money, I love it. It's one of my pillars of unstucked. Um, it's one of the top reasons people feel stuck. I love to start here because numerous studies, and they continue to happen from all sorts of publications, the, the newest one from Harvard Business Review, our money habits are set by the age of seven for the most part, and they become really hard to change. So tell me a little bit about your earliest money memory, and I'll, I'll go into mine. I know my audience has heard mine lots of times before because I love this question, but I want to hear yours. Yeah, it's, that's probably the first question um, that honestly has thrown me off because I'm like, man, what is my concept? The only thing I can really make sense of is you're talking about six, seven, five, six, seven years old. The idea of we can't afford it. I just couldn't understand why we couldn't afford it. And that translated to just don't ask because I already know <laughs> we can't afford it. It didn't matter what it was. It could be years after. I'm like, Dad, we still can't, we can't afford it. And so for me, when my mom kind of turned me on to this idea at nine, 10 years old, she was like, hey, you know, you could got to cut my grass for free, but you could actually charge other people. That kind of turned me on like, oh, okay. And then she gave me independence with that um, as far as, hey, your money, yeah, you got to pay me a little bit for rent, cover a light bill, whatever, but that's your money. And your money pays for the stuff you need for school, sports, car, everything, dating. But she didn't give me uh, hard set boundaries with that. And so for me, I saw it as a way to be free. Yeah. No, that's such a great point. And that's, I share in my earliest money memory with you and my audience knows very well the, the the Bart Simpson piggy bank that I had. And I ended up breaking it basically because I overheard a conversation my parents were having about buying something. And I was like, I, let me step in. I've been saving money in this bank account. And it was a clay Bart Simpson doll. So once I broke it, it was broken forever. And I will never forget the conflicted emotion of like savings. Like, oh my God, I like... I saved this money and I have this money, but also like I just what I just did to get that didn't make me feel great. And I feel like that's such a, a metaphor for years to come when people step into finance, but we can't afford it is such a common thing. And when you really think about that phrase, it keeps you stuck, right? Like it doesn't show you like, okay, we can't afford it now, but we maybe can in the future. It just stops the conversation. So 
how have you had to like fight against that narrative? Like, do you still hear family members saying that narrative? I know you're in a completely different place in your life now, but how was that phrase kind of like hung around it, it, when you think about it? Yeah, it's funny, man. It's I wish I could talk to somebody who was blind for a period of time and now they can see for the first time. And when you really can start affording things and understand what affording things could be, I look back and I mean, you're you're in IG, you're in TikTok, and I mean, I see all your reels, but you know people are struggling with this all the time. And the first person they point the finger at is their parent. And for me, I'm of the knowledge of the wisdom of a T.D. Jakes was like, hey, your parents, whoever it was, they taught you what they knew and they gave you everything they had. I may have a different skill set because I was like my mom didn't work in the bank for a decade and see things and go get a master's degree. She had none of that. And she didn't really have wise people around her to help her guide her in her financial habits. So when I dug in and I started studying my habits and I started looking at, okay, what was going on in our financial situation? Because on the surface, I was like, oh, we can't afford it. But when I found out how much money was actually coming in, I was going to private school, my sister was going to private school, and I looked at all these things. I'm like, oh, we actually could afford a lot more. And she didn't have like new cars or anything, but we could afford a lot more. It's just she didn't manage the money right. And because she didn't manage the money right, that for her, the way she saw it is, hey, it's better for me to just tell you no nah, <laughs> of that. So that was one of the things that helped me calmly start to transition from, oh man, a big piece of this is, can you even make a good decision with what you have? Mm, no, it's so true. Can you make a decision with what you have? I actually made a viral TikTok the other day when I was talking to people about how life gets so much easier once you can save five, ten, twenty thousand dollars. And the number one comment was, "Well, like, how do I do that?" And I run into that comment so much when I take myself back to when I was able to first do that. It was just setting up small savings automations. I think I started with like 20 bucks. Like it was something that was super remedial. It wasn't going to pay off all my debt. It wasn't going to hit every target. But all of a sudden I brought that awareness and all of a sudden I wanted to save as much as possible. So that 20 turned to 100, that 100 turned to 1,000, that 1,000 turned to 10,000. And all of a sudden I'm saving all this money and I'm attracting all this money because you're not working from a scarcity mindset. You're not worried about what the total is when you're at the checkout. You're not worried about if your card's going to go through. And I didn't realize, and you you mentioned this briefly, and I want to go into your money journey, but you mentioned, you know, some of the trauma that's associated with that. And I don't think we realize how much weight when we don't manage our money, how much that happens, right? Like you talked about your parents, like, you know, telling like, we can't afford it. That's a form of trauma. I don't think they realize it. And it's not something that I ever looked down on my parents' pond because they, they didn't know this stuff, but it's really eye-opening. And when you start to approach, you know, just strangers who are asking for help, you can immediately kind of put yourself there. So I know you talk about budgeting. I know you talk about paying off debt, but tell me a little bit about your money journey. I want to hear like, what are some of the challenges you've had? And now what are some of the opportunities that you're looking at? If, if you're not still struggling, because I know sometimes I am in the same boat sometimes with just like spending, growing a business, like it just continues to get harder. So I, I want to hear a little bit about your money journey. Yeah, um, mine, I've, I've been blessed. A lot of people on the surface wouldn't see it as a blessing, but I, I look at my problems and then I have friends 
college friends, fraternity brothers, everybody, and they tell me their problems. I'm like, yeah, I'm not trying to trade with you. I got problems, <laughs> but I, I'm not trying to have your problems. And that's ultimately what I've realized that you, me, no matter what the person's financial situation, Jeff Bezos, Elon Musk, whoever you want to pick, they all have problems. You have problems. So it's just one of the things where which problems do you want to have? Just because you Michael Jordan don't mean you ain't got no problems. But my my journey was really, I don't think, any different from anybody else. I, I didn't understand how to go to school. So I graduated uh, high school at 17. I was trying to figure out what I was going to do in life. I went to work. I've always worked uh, at least two to three jobs just consistently, uh, whether I was mowing lawns and working McDonald's or whether I was working at uh, the grocery store and a warehouse. I've always had multiple jobs. I was sold a dream that, and I bought into it, that work where I'm compensated, I can likely probably solve my problem. This whole idea with school, I didn't understand because I relied heavily in high school and I excelled with my memory. And I went to the same school for 12, 13 years, K through 12. So I knew their education system, how things went. I did, they'd give us the books at the beginning of the year. And I'm first three days, I didn't did the whole book for every class. And I'm like, well, I'm done. The teacher's like, well, there may be some assignments that I was like, well, I'm willing to take that hit. At least I don't owe you, you know what I mean, for anything, even if I did extra work. But that, didn't matriculate well into college because I didn't understand how college was financed. I didn't understand the study habits that will make you successful in college. Going to, Just two simple things, going to class and turning your homework in on time likely will get you a B in college for most classes. And then if you're really trying to excel, you can press a little bit on, a, on the teacher. But I flunked out in my first year. I had an apartment at 18, had a roommate. That situation didn't work out as well as I thought, and I'm giving him the rent, but he's not paying the rent. It was a lot of things going on. And so when I came back at like 22, I had a pivotal time in my life where I was staying with a friend and I saw an advertisement on, on the news about getting back in school. And I'm like, you know what? This sitting here every day ain't finna work. Let me go there. And I just so happened to catch the last day of enrollment. And they got me. They even took some of my D's and F's and gave me credit for those courses and got me back going. And ultimately, that school, the HBCU, I was able to do everything I wanted to do. I pledged the fraternities, joined all the groups, went to grad school after that. But I left grad school and started matriculating into banking early uh, because out of good sound wisdom from my uh, now wife of when I was looking for a job to begin banking and banking with grad school. That's where I started to learn, oh man, I can learn about money. I can learn about my credit. I can learn about how to save and how this stuff is done right. In addition to, I can really start to jumpstart my career in leadership. And so that really pivoted me to a different way of life because wherever you're working, and I stand by this, that employer is going to enhance your life. So if you're working at a dental office, you're going to be really big on teeth. If you're working in the health field, you're going to be really big on your body and the movements and everything that's going on in your health. Well, the bank really, when you're an employee of the bank, I mean, they're giving you life insurance. They're helping you get credit. They're giving you the most you can get on a 401k. They're paying you so many different ways. And so 
I learned that system, I, my success in banking has always been predicated on the fact that I can help somebody who gets $2,000 in Social Security be able to save six, dollars $7,000 by the end of the year and begin to invest and be a more quality candidate uh, for the bank. And then I got really good at teaching that model. Uh, and so my leadership rose very quickly and I learned, worked through the different aspects. But suffice to say, after getting my MBA, I was left with, like most people, six figures worth of debt. And well, at that time, I was headed towards a uh, marriage. We were getting married. I started to realize that I'm like, hey, you're going to have to actually pay this back. When you're in six figures worth of debt, how do you really make sense of paying that back and have a, a better, fruitful financial life? And one thing I learned was you're not going to be able to do this by yourself. You can't save money by yourself. It's just not going to work. So enter the idea of investing and investing in index funds and really starting to maximize that 401k and that match from that and really powering through with the job aspect. That's what over probably the last six, seven years has taken us closer with. Obviously, we bought a home and uh, we were able to keep the home and raises and uh, your income just steadily increasing uh, in new ways of making money. That's got us here to where we're knocking on that first million. And I'm not almost probably right when I get to 40. Yeah, that's amazing. That's great. I appreciate that because I think education is so pivotal in that equation. There's so many things that we don't realize in terms of just our relationship with ourselves, our relationship to just being committed to anything, right? Like how that can metastasize in every part of our lives. You know, money is just as important as your closest relationship. And so your relationship with money, like I mentioned, is pretty solidified by the age of seven. And as you move forward uh, and as things get more stressful, and as we know, right, when you enter in more stressful environments, the worst parts of you can come out. But that's not necessarily something that has to happen. I think the biggest thing to start off with, like you mentioned, is bringing awareness and and time to, to really learn about these things. I laughed and I wanted to go back really quickly when you said Michael Jordan, you know, doesn't have problems. He's actually, it's so funny you said that right now because big headline right now is he's actually selling a large stake in, in the Hornets. Um, and so I know that he mentioned that's bringing a lot of stress to him. But no, that was, you know, very similar going back to like my earliest money memory it was coming from the, the, the reins of we can't afford it. And so I don't know what it was. I don't know. If I, I attribute it to just intuition and wisdom. I, I never really accepted that answer. It was always, okay, well, let's take a solution approach and like, how do we fix this? And so, you know, coming out of college, you know, being $30,000 in debt, I went straight into the entrepreneurial route. So there were times where I was making $800 a month and losing, you know, $3,000 a month, you know? And so I currently am the CPO of Her First 100K, which is a financial feminist platform. Uh, we have reached about 6 million people. We just released a New York yeah. Times bestseller, like... We are in rooms. I give an event on Monday at Powell's in Portland. Like we are constantly asked the question, you know, I'm 50, I'm 100, I'm, you know, medical students, I'm $300,000 in debt. Like I'm not getting out of this. And they kind of adopt that mind mindset. And, you know, if you don't believe it, then who else is going to believe it, right? Like it all comes down to your outlook on these things. And so when I was phrased with that question, there's a couple ways to approach it. And I think the biggest one and the most obvious one is make more money. And it's something that I think people are aware of, but it's such a challenge that it's like, I'll do it tomorrow as opposed to a sense of urgency. Like you have to make more. At the end of the day, like the only reason I was able to save and only reason I was able to be on track to be a millionaire before 30 was because I was able to really 
look in the mirror and say, you know, I have to fix my relationship with debt. I have to save more than I spend. I have to invest early and often. But the most important thing was I have to understand why I feel this way about money. Why do I feel like I don't deserve it? Why do I feel like it's working against me? Because it's crazy when you start to let that trauma seep in, how it starts to manifest in the physical. So instead, like I mentioned at the top of the episode, I just started saving 50 bucks a month. I started investing 50 bucks a month. I started journaling about money. I started talking to people like Tori Dunlap, who I super respect. I started talking to people like Rakim Sabri that like really get it, right? And it took years to kind of get out of that mindset. But what I noticed was when I started to look at the abyss, when I started to look at this really hard journey of money, what started to happen was other unlocks started to happen outside of my relationship with money. My career started to take off. My confidence with myself started to get better. My physical health got better. So last night, even at the event, someone had asked that question and it comes down to, you have to be ready to fail and you have to be ready to do things that bring you fear. Fear is a great indicator of what to do next. And if we don't harness it, then it's wasted. So let's talk a little bit about that trauma when it comes to finances, because I know if you're someone that's gone from and myself have gone from debt to, you know, I call it kind of a rags to riches story, but there's so much in between. And I think that in between is really the emotional side of things. Talk to me about that. Like what, like how was that emotionally? Like what were some of your lows? What were some of your great moments? I kind of want to hear a little bit of both. Well, and that's the funny part that I'm, I'm learning about this journey that I thought once you have 20000 in the bank and a couple hundred six figures invested and, you know, you're trending towards that million, I thought from a person that's in the finance, I'm like, you're going to feel great. The truth is, I feel uncomfortable. I feel more probably the most uncomfortable than ever. And I, I tell my friend, I'm like, dude, I'm like... Yeah, I, this I didn't anticipate. And then I feel kind of my ability to connect with people isn't as easy as it once was because we're not in the same bucket. When somebody complains about, yeah, I got to go buy a new car and I'm going to take out this car loan. And in my head, I'm like, yeah, I, I can go buy a new car right now in cash, whatever I want to do. And it's not going to change my financial situation. It's not going to change my life. That's a different seat of how you approach the problem versus this person like, man, I got to pay an extra five, six hundred bucks now that I didn't really want to pay. And I, you know, say my car been paid off. So for me, it's really been the fact that I work really hard to be sincere with the fact that I do get it. You know what I mean? I do understand, even though our situations are different, even though my situation is different from my peers. It's just one of those things of I'm uncomfortable. I'm constantly uncomfortable because I know it just doesn't make sense. It makes sense if you write it on paper. It makes sense if you add the math. And I think a lot of people throw a lot to the math. Oh, man, you know, say if you add this and if you invest this and you you do this uh, average return, you'll have that. And those things are true. Like the math does work. But what it doesn't account for is the maturity that you have to go through And now more than ever, I understand why athletes and people who get a lottery, why they're broke within three, four years, because there's a maturity and there's a skill set that you have to develop to be able to handle the responsibility. And some of my first low point was the second time I had my apartment with a roommate and I got let go from my job. 
or I was in, trying to find a job, but I had no savings. And I realized I'm not trying to go back home to my mom. I'm like, I, I cannot go back home to my mom. As I add more responsibility, I have a wife and a daughter now, but it's one of those things that I will do anything to make sure my income and make sure our situation is solid so that I never have to ask her parents. I never have to ask my parents. I, I never have to ask them anything. And then I will do anything that even if I'm not working or something, I don't have to put pressure on my wife or I don't have to put pressure on my daughter. They don't have to feel that because I was diligent in my times of plenty that I made the right choices. And to your point earlier, it's the fact of, I know a lot of people say, you got to have the I've had a moment, but we're talking about, you're just making a different set of choices. And yeah, you're right. It will, it's so easy to be like, oh man, I'm not getting paid what, you know saying, I'm supposed to be paid at this job. You're right. I, as a leader, I've seen so many different salaries. Most people are making 85% of what they should be getting paid. And I see it all the time. I see the numbers. The point is you have to be able to understand how you how you can move. And even with that, understand that you're going to probably be faced with more challenges than somebody else. And for me, what I found, again, living working in banking, I'm seeing these people's accounts. I realized, well, dad, it worked out for them. You know what I mean? And they... They're the same skin tone. They came from where I'd come from, all that type of stuff. It was hard for me to see that and be like, well, it can't work for me. And then when you listen to what they did, oh, okay. So they wasn't really buying new cars all the time. And then when I tell them, oh, well, I traveled to Australia. I've been to Paris and all that. And they're like, yeah, and you still got that? They was like, man, you're doing way with shit. They were like, we 60. We just now starting to travel. I'm like, well, yeah, I'm not trying to live my life like that. But those are the things that when it comes to money, one thing I know is if you have none, you can literally change your life in money, money-wise, in probably about a 90-day switch. Because if you just get about the business of doing a budget and going to work, <laughs> you can quickly have about three, four grand in your account. And that right there will change a lot of your situation. But then when you start investing, when you get to the point where you're past having the cash and you're actually investing, that takes you to a whole nother stratosphere of responsibility. But I'm talking about you can have, live a plentiful quality life. You're right. I oftentimes, I go into a grocery store and I buy what I'm going to buy and Truth be told, I'm buying the name brand. I'm buying the actual Doritos bag. I'm not buying the knockoff. But I'm not tripping off when I put my card in how much it is. I might pay attention. I might see it, just curious. But I'm not I'm not worried about my card not going through when this is the same guy who I paid $32 for a 25-cent bag of chips one time because of the overdraft. And I wasn't even, I just didn't realize. So these are things that, Everybody, especially in this time, and I mean, again, you're on the TikTok, you're on all that. So you see from a millennial side of things, you're right. Couple of recessions, uh, housing market crash, we're in this little debacle right now. But the funny part is people are still going to be able to make money and people are still going to prosper from what seems like devastation. At the end of the day, it will wake up and there will be better opportunities. But you have to get, you really do, from a financial sense, you have to get control of your money because truth be told, to my knowledge, publishers clearinghouse ain't even a thing no more, but nobody's coming to your house and handing you 250000 
Like, they're, they're just not. Yeah, no, it's so true. And a couple things I want to kind of get to. It doesn't feel like it. It doesn't seem like it. But being uncomfortable, living paycheck to paycheck, being broke actually can be a huge asset if you utilize it correctly. So in the past, I would never forget, like I, I would make, you know, I get my paycheck and the paycheck would come in the door and right out the door. You talked about, and I want to bring in just a different set of choices. So historically, I wouldn't pay myself first. I would be so worried about the debt. I would be so worried about paying bills. I'd be so worried about, you know, making sure that I could cover the groceries for that week that I didn't even take $20 and put it in a savings account for a rainy day. That was the first choice that I made that really helped was I paid myself first. And that all that looks like is going into Wells Fargo, Chase, setting up an automatic transfer for $50, $100 into your savings account. So you're paying yourself first. And that system is super important. That system to this day has now paid me hundreds of thousands of dollars because now I don't have to think about it. When I get paid, which is different now in my business, I'm saving 60 to 70% of my income. And so that's a different type of living style. Uh, me and Tori were talking. We saw a viral TikTok the other day where they asked, you know, how much money's in your bank account? One lady was like 45,000 in my checking account. The other lady was like six millions in my checking account. And even at that level, people are still making that mistake. To this day, I only put in my checking account what's going to cover my bills and a little bit of buffer. The rest is purely invested. So I'm still living uncomfortably like I was living and making 22,000 having those fears, but now it's different, right? Because I'm saving so much of my income. Last night I took my whole team out to dinner and I covered the tab and it wasn't something I even thought twice about because it's a write-off and, you know, you it's just another game. But I still have that level of uncomfortability. I make, you know, multi-six figures, but I still spend like I make 55000 a year. And that's something that I've been talking to my wife about that, you know, will slowly start to shift. But it's really, I've gotten comfortable being uncomfortable. And in some months, I blow a bag. Some months, I save for months and months and months. But having that dynamicness is something that I don't think a lot of people talk about. Yeah, you said two things that I just want people to understand because I did the same exact two things. Number one, you said, hey, I put $20 a week. And granted, we've all heard every financial advisor say, just put 20, just put 25, just put 10, put what you can in there. And there were times where I was even investing in my index fund $12.58 because that's all <laughs> Yeah, I, I love could. that though. Good for you. But the point was I was committed to investing. The only way I could get myself going was whatever you have. And that's what I liked about the index fund because it would take change. And I'm like, if I, I can even take change and get something, cool. But the point of that is it's not about the $20. It's about the commitment of yourself. They, I don't care what's going on. I'm going to be investing this because this is a new muscle for me. And yeah, what happened was as my income grew, you're right. That amount grew exponentially to where I'm investing more than my bills. And then the second thing is, I probably why I'm a little uncomfortable is I have multiple checking accounts. I'm pretty sure you have multiple checking accounts, wife and all that type of stuff, business. But the one I use and the one I see has the same dollar amount that comes in that I was used to seeing when I was making 29000 And so that's how I live my life, even though I know I make more than 29000 a year. But that's how I'm making my decisions. 
I'm always making my decision, my bills to fit into that same dollar amount because the fear I had was the lifestyle creep. And you're to, you're right to that point. I just last year was like, yeah, you probably could afford because I keep seeing people who have money and who have done well and that were hard pressed frugal. They're starting to now open up that conversation of, yeah, I probably could enjoy a little bit more. Dude, lifestyle creep is so real. It's so real. <laughs> it is. It is. But it was comforting that I'm like, these people who have 15 million net worth and multiple six figures on the business and they're doing all this stuff. And if they're telling me when they look back, hey, I could have splurged. I probably could have went on a trip. And it wouldn't have mathematically mattered to the level of success that I have. That's the part that I I think people miss because people think, okay, I'm going to commit to this personal finance, this money, this budget, this investing. But what I'm going to lose in the process is, well, I don't get to go out and have happy hour. Well, you just got through mentioning, you just took your team out. And how fun is that that you got to pay for your team's dinner? I took my wife to Steak 48 for her birthday. It was fun for me to cover the bar for them people because I'm like, I don't know what y'all ordering. But I I could have paid for the dinner, but I didn't want to. I paid for enough stuff. But to cover the bar, I'm like, hey, that's something. To treat my wife, hey, that's comforting. And no, it's, we're not going to be in financial ruin and know that the lights will get cut off. But I think those two things are pivotal because I know a lot of people hear that, but they think, oh, man, I'm not going to be able to enjoy life. I'm like, you'll, you'll be able to enjoy life. And the fact is, you've been enjoying life for a long time. If you take a couple years off, it ain't going to kill you. Yeah, no, totally. And I think one of the biggest things that helped me was, you'll hear me mention Tori a lot because she's someone that I've learned quite a bit of my financial education from. You can afford some things, but you can't afford everything. And I think that's something, especially in the black community, that we struggle with, especially because a lot of our you know, people get their education from the media. They see, you know, these movie stars and rappers and people affording everything. So if you take anything today, it's one of the big things that aside from automating savings, you know, having savings goals, the next biggest thing is really understanding that you can't afford everything. So I have my three things that I love spending money on. It's travel, it's my wife and, you know, going to nice dinners and food. We're like, we're foodies. Like we love to travel and eat food. And it's investing. I include investing as an expense because there was a time too where I overinvested uh, and would look at my accounts and be like, oh, I overdid it. And now I'm having to kind of, and this is early 20s, like I'm having to sell investments because I invested too much. And I've talked to people about that too. So I appreciate you circling back to that. But I wanted to kind of finish with the different set of choices and with just making more. I think the big thing that unlocked for me once I started to get uncomfortable with money, once I started to get uncomfortable with starting a business, when I started getting uncomfortable with working out, even being an XD1 athlete, was that when I job hopped, I would make and double my salary. So when I started off in entrepreneurship, I was making, you know, $800 a month. And then I went and worked for Nike. I was making $22,000. And then I decided to go work for a bank. And I said, you know what? I'm going to double that. I'm going to ask for 50. And then they gave me 50. And then I went into the startup world. I said, I'm going to double it again. And I made 100,000. And then I went into the next startup and I was like, I'm going to double it. I'm going to make 200,000. And it was crazy how my level of skills still went up. Like, I, I think I really relied on my soft skills and energetically aligning with leaders and helping them reach their goals. That's what paid my bills, not going and getting an MBA. But that's one of the biggest things that helped raise my income was just asking. 
and also not being afraid to leave my current employer. I think a lot of people get stuck and they're like, I can't leave my employer. I've been here 10 years. They're using that against you. And so that's something that I've really seen. And now that I'm on the business side, and you know this too, like you get into the tax world and you learn like, for example, last year I made multi six figures and I only ended up owing a couple thousand dollars in taxes, which in corporate with the W-2, I owed way more in taxes. And I would sometimes get a refund, right? But I was losing my money every paycheck because they were pulling social. They were pulling all of these different things. So there's a lot to unpack here. And if you're someone that like at the, this point in the episode, you're like, like, what do I do? It's just start, start saving, start investing, start looking at those hard things that you fear, right? Whether that's, I need to make more money at my job, lifestyle creep, which I want to talk a little bit more about, because that's something that, you know, I started to mention about, you can't afford everything, but I want to hear more about that piece of lifestyle creep. And then also maybe just some points that you may leave with the audience as we kind of wrap up. Yeah, the um, I'm, I'm a huge advocate of job hopping, but I job hop because I wanted my own independence. I use the same philosophy as when I was dating. Whoever breaks up first usually has the upper hand. Uh, and in business, <laughs> yeah. that's... I, I, it's sad to say, because the person who breaks up first, they knew it was coming. The person who finds out, this is the first day. It's so, I'll never forget when I went and, and quit my job. Like, I'll never forget when I sat down and was just like, you know why I'm quitting? Like, it's because I'm making pennies and I'm making you millions. Like, it comes down to that. So I thank you for that, because it's so true. No, it, it's that. And the second thing that people don't understand is in your organization, just like content creation, if you're somebody, a lot of people um, does content, but you're paid for your ability to generate ideas. Ultimately, in organizations, you're paid for your ability to bring in new ways of doing business, operating efficiency, new ideas. Well, you may not have a regular bandwidth. So again, for me, I was in banking. So I start off in Bank of America. I went from there to Wells Fargo. Wells Fargo is going to value my experience and how Bank of America was operating. I went from both of those to a smaller credit union. I made triple my income, but this credit union, they were trying to get the experience and the knowledge of people who had worked in the big banks. They knew they weren't going to be able to build that evaluation for them, but they knew they could begin to operate in a more efficient pattern and how do you do that? Well, you got to go pay for <laughs> the experience. And then from there, went to, took the state test. But the whole point is your ideas, the experience you have at this employer is going to be more valuable to their competitor. They're going to want to pay you for what you know, because there's a lot of strengths in what your employer currently does. So yeah, I'm a big advocate of that because it's messed me up to where I don't even look at merit increases because I've always increased my income 25, 30% by switching jobs almost one and a half, two years and getting a sign-on bonus and like, like you. So yeah, I'm a big advocate of that because in times like this where a lot of people are getting laid off, you're more confident that you can go acquire another role because you've been through the cycle. You know what this looks like. And the people who are crying, the people who are devastated by the layoffs and stuff right now, a part of their video, somewhere in there, they say, hey, yeah, I was here six, seven years. I was here 15 years. Well, yeah, that's all you've known. And you didn't think they would ever change that. But I'm like, the truth is, the business is going to make the decision. 
for what the business has to do to survive. And ultimately, that decision doesn't come down to, hey, I got lights, I got kids, I got goals, and I got a house that I got to pay for. They're not taking none of that into consideration. They're taking into consideration what do they need to make the business survive. So it's best that you you learn how to understand, okay, my goal when I come in is I'm always going to try to look at what's my path forward in the org. But the second thing is, if I don't believe I'm going to be able to get this, and there are many different ways they're going to tell you that, indirectly, directly, then the next thing is, okay, I'm going to begin looking for this somewhere else. I'm going to take the experience, I'm going to do the experience, but I'm at the point of the work career part where you're not getting free projects out of me because of experience. I know what I'm doing. I've learned <laughs> learned from it. I'm, I'll move on. You know what I mean? So it, it's quite all right. Yeah, absolutely. Looking forward now, you mentioned you have a daughter. Like, when you look forward, not only for your daughter, but for you too, one, what is that main lesson you're teaching your daughter? And then two, like, what is your next goal? What are you looking forward to accomplishing this year? So with my daughter, I think the biggest thing that changed my my life was after she was born, once we got the social security number, I was able to move 10 grand into her name and investment index funds and stock. And I realized... I'm like, oh man, at 18, she's going to have likely 150, 180 grand uh, to start her life. Wow. Good for you. That's amazing. I love that. I love that. Yeah, because a lot of people don't understand what, how does this play out? And if I do right by her in the next, well, she's two now, so 16 years to motivate her to be like, hey, I can pull money and go pay for college or I can get scholarships. I can pull money and get a car or I can go work a little bit and go pay for my own car and move on. But to understand that, hey, if I allow this thing to work, this will be easily a million by the time I'm 30, 32 or whatever that I never really have to really worry about. And the the point is I realized that her life can be (laughs) remarkably un. There's no question how different it can be going forward. And that's that's exciting. Right now, for me, I'm really in the space where I've looked over my career. I've looked over what it is in banking. Where are people getting tripped up? And now more than ever, uh, especially in my, my content I'm and working with people and all that, I'm really focused on three things. I'm focused on helping you have extra money in the month. That could be working, that could be your budget, that could be a lot of different things. The second thing is taking that money and growing your income and uh, investing in index funds or real estate or what have you and understanding the components and educating people around, this is how you start this. This isn't the end all be all, this is how you start this. And then third thing is things like this between me and you, quality relationships. You talked about a little bit about health. You talked a little bit about how your life changes with the wealth. And ultimately, like I tell people, there's so much, little little by little, but you've done your research a little bit on me. I've done my research on you. But there's so much we can learn from each other and just having that willingness. And I understand it. I have friends that 
They value the fact that I'm good with money, but they don't want to hear that. That's cool. I, I when they when they have that little moment where they want to listen, I'll give it to you. But in general, I'm usually focused on the people that if you're really ready to make a change, these three things can change your life. It can change your direction. And ultimately, like you you know in business, you can't be successful in business and career by yourself. There's somebody who gave you help with getting your resume up. There's somebody who told you, hey, this is how you answer the question. There's somebody who told you, this is how you email. And then from a business side, there's somebody who showed you, yeah, I've been down that road with this business model. You probably want to watch out for this. Those are the things that you want to watch for. You do that not just with your money, but I do that with parenting. I do that with marriage. I do that even with friendships. That's the, the quality of relationships, meaning there's a fair exchange of value happening. Oftentimes, what's depleting a lot of people is you're giving or somebody might, you might be taking from somebody and <laughs> you're not giving, giving it to them. So a quality relationship for me is you're getting value and that person is getting value consistently and proportionally uh, so that you both are meeting each other's needs. We're better together, can't afford everything. Make more than you spend. Save more than you spend. Invest early and often. If you do those things, you'll be far better off. Jonathan, thank you so much for coming on today. Uh, all of Jonathan's links will be below. Thank you, Jonathan. No, it's my pleasure. Thank you for listening to the Unstucked podcast. Visit us at unstucked.com and follow us on TikTok at Unstucked.